Welcome into episode 299 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network, presented by Justice Dental tonight. A surprise, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise considering the circumstances, but a very fun and exciting breakdown of Kentucky's 87-83 to victory over North Carolina in the CBS Sports Classic. But before we get started, a quick message from our friends at Justice Dental. Sources Say is presented by the great team at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling or texting 859-543-0700. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very excited and just jubilant to be joined by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, Kentucky picked up a big... Big, big, big December win. Something that had been missing in this part of the schedule for, for a while now against a ranked opponent, Jack. And, uh, man, we talk a lot about quad ones. We talk a lot about resumes. Yesterday was the, the first step to kind of piecing something together in the non-conference. I, like, Are you good? I just want to be totally transparent. Like, This is what the one thing you've been waiting for for so long. Like, Are, are, are you in your happy place right now that you can finally be like, quad one? it's here it's now we we don't have to like talk about what ifs anymore we don't have to think of of just the the hypotheticals and all of that like we can now tangibly discuss what a quad one looks like in december isn't it just beautiful like isn't it it was well it was you know the first thing i did this morning was tweet out where kentucky went to in the net and then tweeted out what their resume looks like with quad one wins and twos and threes and fours and then what the schedule looks like currently with quad one opportunities. And the only reason I'm, I even lead with that is Kentucky just blew Miami completely out of Rupp Arena a few weeks ago. And then it didn't even reflect anything when it comes to resume. Like Miami was number eight in the country. And then they're not even nowhere near a quad one win. This one is in quad one. This is the first time they've got a win that is showing up as a quad one for the season. It's the first of what I think will be a lot more to come when they get an sec play. So it's, it's a big step in the right direction. It was a must win. It was a must win because the momentum that Kentucky has built since July, you could have lost some of it had they lost this one too, especially after losing a tight one to Kansas. This was the next checkpoint Kentucky passed. They checked a lot of boxes. The freshmen stepped up, and we're going to have a blast talking about that tonight. 87 to 83 in Atlanta. I just literally walked in the door. I, it was a l- really, really, really long day of driving back from Atlanta. My wife and baby were uh, in tow. First road trip with the baby, and he was tremendous, except for the last like 25 minutes. And once we got to the last 25 minutes, it was like, I am so damn sick and tired of sitting in this car seat. Get me out right now. So I still like my ears are piercing from the cries and screams. So, I, but. It, it would have been very easy to just go home, get get home, sit down on the couch for the first time in several days, and just like soak in Sunday night football and say, you know what, I, I'm, I, I, well, let's let's push this back to, to tomorrow. But because of how it unfolded, the why behind all of this, we said, you know what, screw it, we got to we got to break this thing down. We're back to the multi game uh, weeks where we got some time and it. it Louisville rivalry, all that stuff. Like that's a whole other conversation for another day. This conversation needs to happen right now. 
How it happened, Sean, the well-balanced scoring effort, 87 points, the return of Ugon Onion. So Aaron Bradshaw stepping out and making a three, the, the youth dynamic, the big shot after big shot after big shot, the clutch moments against a veteran-led team in UNC. It, all of the stories and narratives and dynamics that, that are, are at play here that we were hoping to see with this group, it, it all came to fruition in – the biggest way possible. And and I think that's what was so exciting, Sean, is we we didn't give up when the UNC Wilmington loss happened. We said, understand that that's what this, you know, this group is going to have some highs and lows, but stick with the process. Understand that the long-term vision is why we're here. We're not here to, you know, deal with the, you know, highs and lows and the extremes of this. Like, let's let's just kind of stay even keeled from start to finish and understand what we've got here. And we finally got to see that on the big stage in a win. We got it against Kansas and Chicago, but it resulted in a loss and we kind of had to do the moral victory thing. We finally got the against a very, very good team, John Calipari saying as soon as the game ended, that's a Final Four team that we just played. And then somebody responded by saying, okay, well, if that's a Final Four team, what are you exactly? And he was like, I don't – we'll see. But it's fun to kind of even have those those ideas right now. Really, really, really unbelievable performance for the Cats. A freshman-led performance. Rob Dillingham leading the way with 17 points. DJ with 14. Aaron Bradshaw with 12. Reed Shepard with 11 to round out double-digit scores. Yeah, it was a great night and a total team victory. I, I said it on the rapid reaction last night that you're probably not going to see any SEC player of the week, SEC freshman of the week honors and things like that show up. But collectively, what Kentucky did as a team in all areas of the game, just the balance in the, on the glass, the, the balanced scoring, the minutes, everybody contributed in, in some way or some form or fashion. I mean, block shots, Kentucky had nine of them. You know, Ugo contributes three of them, a Arrow slides to the bench, comes out playing like a madman that wants to keep getting minutes. And I thought what was so big about this is we got to see a physical side of Kentucky at times in that game. So now you've seen fast Kentucky. You've seen physical Kentucky. You can see you, you saw dudes making plays down the stretch. That is the biggest development from Kansas until now is these guys that can just just go put it on their back and make plays. Things got stagnant. Kentucky's still got to figure some things out late in games about what they want to run. Is it some Spain stuff? Is it going to floppy? Is it is it posting and, and playing off of it with, with Trey and finding some shooters or something like that? Cal's got to figure some things out there. But when it came down to it, Jack, DJ beats a man to the basket, makes a play. Aaron Bradshaw comes up with an offensive rebound off a of Rob Dillingham miss that North Carolina had just taken its first lead of the game. Kentucky gets it back, never gave it up. Rob Dillingham makes tough shots. Like, that's multiple dudes making plays, multiple freshmen just going and getting it. Trey Mitchell misses a three. Aaron Bradshaw's there to get the offensive rebound, goes to the line off, off the off the missed attempt, and the, well, they went to the, to the monitor to see if he got it off or not. But just a lot of plays down the stretch from a team that just continues to grow up. They weren't ready. Remember what I said in the rapid after we left Chicago in in that Kansas game. You wanted something you weren't quite ready to have yet. Kentucky was ready to have it yesterday. That, and I think that's what's so exciting about this is forty one point seven percent shooting, thirty four and a half percent from three. You know they turned the ball over. They 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 did not play a perfect game, but they still 
found ways down the stretch to put it together. And it was not, as I said on the, the rapid reaction last night, it was not a Malik Monk miracle performance. It was not one guy going, okay, well, he just went nuclear, uh, you know, nuclear, just tip your cap to him. Some guys have it some nights and you just kind of got to tip your cap to him. That was not the case here. This was eight different guys scoring at least seven points, a well-rounded freshman-led effort where, I mean, four UNC starters were upperclassmen. They made the uncharacteristic mistakes down the stretch. Again, they hit big shots, and Kentucky always responded back with big shots of their own, but they were the ones down the stretch. Something had to give somewhere where, okay, it could have been really easy for Rob to turn the ball over here. It could have been really easy for DJ to take a bad shot here. Like In an opportunity where the pendulum is just swinging ever so slightly ready to go the full the full distance – it could have there were four or five opportunities in that last TV timeout where it could have easily gone the other direction but how about Kentucky's freshman led initiative being the kind of just chipping away chipping away the response every haymaker that UNC would try to throw they threw one right back harder and heavier and they got the final knockout blow it was Elliot Cadeau passing it off the ass of a UNC teammate which the most Mind-blowing, like, I, I, I'm still laughing at how in it, just punch after punch after punch, back and forth, back and forth, that's how it ends. And Elliot Cadeau just complete miscue of all miscues. But that's how it unfolded. Kentucky's freshmen stood up for the moment when their number was called, and UNC's did not down the stretch. And... They got their quad one win. This is the one we've been waiting for. We don't have to go into January again and say, well, what's the next high-profile statement win on the schedule? How can we start building this resume? The clock's ticking. Like, we don't have to be doing that anymore because you now have the, okay, we kind of thought this team could be that level. Now you got the, the evidence to back that up, and the net's already reflecting that. All the other stuff that everybody else has been waiting for for that that statement victory it, we now have that to kind of move forward with our actual dreams of what this team's going to be. Yeah, yeah, we can. And uh, it, it's it's time now getting to that point where we're about to turn the year over and start talking resume. And when you get into league play, you get plenty of quad one opportunities in the SEC. There's, there's still eight remaining currently on the schedule. Some of those will, will change. Could Gonzaga get to a quad one opportunity at some point? Sure. St. Joe's continues to climb in the net. I mean, they continue to go up. That that thing just just keeps moving. Uh, so that looks like a good win right now. Where does Miami fall here in three months? Do they pick up some wins in the ACC and climb in the net? There's so much shuffling that's going to take place. But one number, and there's a lot of talk about Kentucky's defense, but I thought the game plan, I thought they executed well, especially early in the game. Adutiero was really aggressive in some double teams on Armando Baycott. Kentucky played with some physicality on that end of the floor. Sure, they gave up a lot of points, but Kentucky made shots late. You're going to have to – there's going to be games in the NCAA tournament that have final scores that look like that against teams like that. But overall, when you look at Ken Palm, you're now 15th in, in offensive efficiency. That's inside that top 20. Yes, that has been higher at times this season, but it's still inside that top 20. And you're going to hear us talk about getting to the top 20 in both. 
you look now and defensive number is up to 44th in adjusted defensive efficiency. That is that is climbing. So it's it's trending in the right direction. They've they've got some size now, they've got some rim protection. And the biggest thing with that rim protection, just having Ugana in there or even having Bradshaw in there, it has allowed these guards to just kind of go all out even more. More pressure on the basketball, being aggressive guarding. You got some security now on the backside of it that is affecting shots. And there were some plays yesterday where Kentucky didn't get a hand on a shot, but they still affected it. Kentucky got up and got out in transition. They're, it's starting to piece together now. The three-point attempts, what well, they get to yesterday, 24, 25 attempts. They made eight, so they're still making an, a number, a high number of threes. They're still shooting a higher number of threes. A lot to like about yesterday, but the defensive stuff I think is going to continue to progress and come along, and you're going to see them continue to get better in that area. Huber Davis says after the game that the game was won in the trenches, and Kentucky was the in- initiator and the uh, aggressor in that area. A ten, uh, a plus ten in the rebound re- rebounding margin. That considering where we were to start the season and the big gripes about this team. Yes, you know, the the guards are who they are. We're going to have the scoring. We're going to have the playmaking and ball movement and all that stuff. But that was always the kind of the what if with this group. Do they have the aggressor to counter an elite rebounder like that? They did an okay job with Hunter Dickinson, but Hunter is kind of a a beast of his own. Like he was going to get his, it was just about kind of, can you neutralize him and not let him go God level? Like you had to be able to throw something at him and, and slow him down. And I think Kentucky did a solid job of that Trey Mitchell, but the situation just kind of was what it was now with two bigs back. It was about, okay, this is our first real test against a plotting anchoring, kind of poor man's version of Hunter Dickens, and he can pass a little bit and kind of pretends to be able to make shots. But Armando Baycott is kind of the dinosaur big that the game is moving away from and the reason why he's a fifth-year senior still playing college basketball. But he can still dominate the game in his own specific way. Kentucky holds him to four shot attempts, Sean. Like, six turnovers is is special in its own right, but I think for him to not even be able to get the shots off because the game plan was so strong about just isolating him, taking him out completely, let UNC beat you with made shots. And you have a guy that's been shooting 25% on the year, come in, make four. Like the situation just kind of was what it was there, but the game plan to make Armando pee down his leg and trap him on every touch and say, all right, we're going to make somebody else beat you. And it worked. The game was one in the trenches, as, as Huber Davis said, plus 10 in the rebounding margin, uh, 17 offensive rebounds. I mean, just the, 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 what we, where we came from in that area is just so night and day, and it's so refreshing to be able to talk about. Like, we, we got some dudes to now throw at the opposition, no matter who. I mean, we just got one of the most dominant bigs in college basketball, and now you have uh, evidence to back up that you can, we can throw some dudes at you. Yeah, and it's early. It's still early because it's only game three with Aaron Bradshaw. It was game one with Ugo. And and we'll see how the minutes play out at that spot. But Kentucky needed Ugana yesterday, especially with Aaron Bradshaw getting in, in, in some foul trouble there in the first half. It needed the nine minutes that Ugo played. He doesn't travel with the team. He gets the flu. He flies down, travels down by himself, gets the shoot around, throws up, 
during shoot around. Cal said that he's like, I can't play that guy. And Ugo's like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to be able to play. They needed him. Sure. Like when you look at plus minus, like he had the worst plus minus, but he still affected the game. Three block shots. Just being a big, being a presence and getting in there and being ready for that moment too. That's something that – that was the biggest thing about it. He was ready to help and contribute to this team. That's where the, the depth showed yesterday. Not just the depth of talent, just the overall depth of what they can play with and what they can throw at you. How many teams in college basketball have two seven-plus footers down there? And then you got Trey Mitchell, who was quiet. And in the source of say parlay, you know, I, I picked him to go under 20-and-a-half. But he had a stretch of play in the second half where he was crucial with a couple of buckets, some big rebounds, some plays just through him. Everyone had their moment. It was Aaron Bradshaw that got Kentucky started quick. Ugo comes in, does his thing. A uh, couple, of, couple of moments in the game, Jack. Kentucky gets out to a 9-4 stretch there early to build some momentum and built the early lead that they held throughout the first half. North Carolina comes back, goes on a run to close the half off of a big swing, right there, a five-point swing off, off of Dillingham getting blocked and then the three the other way. But Kentucky answered when North Carolina tied it and goes on a 7-0 spur of their own to start the second half. Starting both halves off with runs like that is what was the difference late and where Kentucky went on another run to then put it away. And I do want to go back just briefly on, on Ugo and kind of share some backstory on how we got to this point. So I got a text Monday, I guess it was Tuesday early afternoon after his first practice on Monday. Uh, and it said Ugo was unbelievable Monday in his first full contact practice. Said like he was impacting the game in ways. And I, I I texted our little group message and was like, "Do we buy this? Like, is this just kind of like okay? Development was already behind. We're trying to build some confidence internally and kind of like spread some whispers that Ugo is making an impact. Like, is it a is it a personal thing? Or are they just kind of putting out an agenda thing? Or is is he real? Like, is this is 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 this real? And then Chuck Martin, in a I think Beyond Kentucky podcast with Cameron Mills says Ugo was pretty damn good in the first practice. And then Bruiser Flint in the practice uh, in the um, media opportunity leading up to the game was like, we're excited to see Ugo make his debut. He was pretty solid to start this week, and you know we're we're gonna see what happens. He gets sick midway through the week. And I hear like Friday leading up to the game, he is not with the team. He did not travel and he's not playing. Like they're like, we, we were excited to see him and kind of thought we needed him to throw at Armando just to have that physical presence. But as of Friday afternoon and going into the night, Ugo was not playing. And so for the situation to unfold the way it did Saturday morning, him showing up, going to shoot around, going to the bathroom and vomiting and Cal basically saying, yeah, I am not playing this dude. And then Ugo having to say, nah, I got this. Trust me. I got this. And for him to make a positive impact. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up, man. Like what a cool story. Ugo had no business playing in that game. He did not need to play in that game. Kentucky probably would have been okay big picture had he said, guys, I have the flu. Let's just, can I wait until the Louisville game? Let me kind of have an exhibition matchup to ease my way back in. You don't have to throw me in against a top 10 program. Like for him to step up in that moment, given the circumstances 
Aaron Bradshaw gets four fouls early in the second half. You kind of need him and for him to be a a positive. Ignore the plus minus for him to be a positive and make an impact given the circumstances. That's so cool. Like I, he was the one guy that I kind of had concerns about about fit and how he would just the, the system and the how he would fit in with the offense. I thought he played great. I thought he looked great. I. I I think there's a fit there, and you know, I, I, he deserves props. He deserves credit for for fighting through, and a lot of guys would not do that. And I told you earlier in the week that he would get an opportunity. He would get a look to see how he does, and he helped. He showed up. He contributed. Aaron Bradshaw early, though, man, that first segment you got to see a lot of it. You got to see a made three, a rim running transition for a dunk, and then the one area that has been missing sprinting out of a ball screen or sprinting out of a dribble handoff and a lob and a finish above the rim. That is something that was missing on this roster was the ability to throw the lob up to a big and get it and finish it. Now that's there. And that that is just – that's another area now that Kentucky can beat you offensively. It can stretch you out and shoot the three. It has dudes that can get by hip and get, the, get a ball by hip and finish and make jump shots, play through contact. Now it's got the ability to play above you. That's really hard to guard and adds another element to this offense. I want you to put your coaching hat on uh, w- with us for a second. We, the sample size is growing with Aaron Bradshaw and Trey Mitchell playing together. And we got Aaron's first start. Uh, and as you said, the first couple segments were terrific with Bradshaw. Uh, talk about that fit together. There was a lot of concern, and Cal kind of threw his shot after the game, saying, "Oh, I thought everybody was throwing a big, had a big deal about us adding another big in that we're going to be walking the ball up the floor now, and our pace is going to dramatically change." Uh, how, how are you seeing this unfold with those two playing together? We had talked about their versatility and the playmaking, and they're you know, both both of them able to pass, dribble, shoot, basketball player, blah blah blah, but. Uh, now back to back games of you know seeing extended time of with those two together uh, what do you think of that pairing and i think we also got per, you know a, a few extended runs of ab as the the lone five with like a do at the four and a couple different lineups there but we're starting to see some some lineup differential and and y- your thoughts on especially those two together it, it really look it looks good and kentucky still runs good stuff when it's those two together, it's just that it, it, it changes the way they are. I mean, obviously the rebounding and things. Trey was the one that had to adjust, not Aaron. Aaron didn't have anything to adjust to. Aaron was walking into just whatever it was, like whatever the, the idea or the plan was with him. It was Trey that had to adjust. And and you saw some turnovers at, at times. I think, I, think, I think he maybe had three versus Penn. He had two yesterday. He's still trying to figure – he was still trying to figure out, okay, how do I play now? And he mentioned it yesterday. He no longer has to beat and bang with a five-man. He's now guarding perimeter guys and, and things. So I love I love it because even when they're in there together, you still see five out. You still see driving lanes. You still see spacing. Aaron now hitting a couple of threes and getting that on tape. You have to step out with a hand up. You know you have to step out with a hand up with Trey. They're going to get more comfortable – and things too, but the biggest thing is who they put around when they go with those two, four, five. The guards that they got on the perimeter can still stretch you out, can still make plays off the bounce, can 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 take a guy and play in space. That's the the, the reason it's working. It's the spacing at one, two, three to go along with their spacing that they create at four, five. 
and you get bigger and better defensively. You get bigger and better on the glass. So the ability to still be able to play the way that Kentucky wants to play, but also adding the guy that can play above you, that's a big deal. And, and you're going to see Kentucky's defensive numbers continue to get better, I think, as they get in leap play just because of the size that is now added, the rebounding. I mean, they they listen, they they dominated North Carolina when it comes to, to that area of the game. And it's this completely different look. Like we've seen Kentucky change kind of who they are so many times over the course of the last couple of months from being really, really small to now having a lot of size and still being able to kind of shift and go small if they need to. A do to me, I know we talked about it when it comes to role that we expected him to slide. He was the guy that slid out of the starting lineup. I think that will stay that way. But he is so big in big-time games. That's another big-time game that he came out in the first half and just played like crazy. I mean, he, he was all over the place. He does that, Jack, then you know you can go to him and you know you can get big minutes from him, some scoring, some rebounding, some defensive energy, some physicality. That's a guy that did not want to give up his minutes. That's what you want, and that's what competition does within the own roster. You have to fight for everything you get, and these guys are going to have to. It, let's talk about that because we had said on the show, and it's true, Adu is was the odd man out in the dynamic. The internal conversations of Aaron Bradshaw is coming back, who is going to have to take on a lesser role because we are introducing a new piece. It wasn't to say Adu was going to play zero minutes because of this. It was just going to say you are no longer going to play 25, 30 minutes a game. Something's got to give somewhere. The minute distribution, the math, there is a, an actual math to it. And it's going to result in you having to take on fewer minutes. But part of that was also trusting the process with Justin Edwards that he was going to slowly but surely kind of trend his way up where by season's end he was going to be the top five pick that a lot of national analysts kind of pegged him to be. The issue is Justin Edwards – I guess plateaued is probably the best way to put it, but he is just not building up very limited in what his, what is in his bag right now. He has the one, maybe two dribble pull up from, from the mid range finished has had a couple very strong finishes around the rim, very limited as a dunker, kind of the athleticism that in the he's a six, seven long athletic wing, the athletic part, he really hasn't, been that up to this point but you expected him to kind of just keep building up and up and up and Cal is not going to give up on him we've talked about that it's not going to happen but one thing I will give credit to this staff for is when you see in a game like this where you got to ride the hot hand you got to kind of build on momentum you can't just force a square peg into a round hole, which was Justin Edwards at time at, at times, they they rode Adu Thero to the finish line and let him kind of blossom up. And that's kind of how this team is going to have to be. Justin is going to have his moments. Cal said on Monday that he was going to have a 30-point game at some point, and he's going to. Justin is going to be fine. He's taking a little bit longer than I think everybody is hoping, but I respect and appreciate 
Cal's ability to look at it from a from taking a step back and looking at it and saying, I'm not worried about draft status. I'm not worried about this or that. I'm focused on winning this game. And Adu Thero was the winning basketball player in that matchup against UNC. I thought he was going to be the perfect complimentary physical piece to throw at Harrison Ingram. I thought that was the one guy that I was kind of scared of in that matchup because I didn't know if Justin was going to be up for that one-on-one battle. Adu, I thought, thrived in that in, in, in that matchup and really just in his time on the floor. As you said, when push came to shove, a guy that was on the outside looking in of the starting lineup and was – trending towards seeing fewer minutes, even in 17 minutes. I mean, seven points, two of four shooting, hit a three, uh, four blocks, two assists, did everything that you ask of an Adu Thero. The sky is the limit with him. The future is so bright with Adu, maybe even sooner rather than later. Cal said the only reason why people aren't talking about him as a top 10 pick is because he can't shoot yet. That takes time. That takes practice. That takes reps. He is proving that if you just put your mind to it and stay in the gym and lock in, you could be that type of guy. And, and he rose to the occasion. And it kind of feels like a trend with him that he does it in big games. So I'm going to go somewhere with, with this here, with the, with this direction. And I, this is not a negative thing at all. This is all a positive thing. And then I'm going to circle back and try to explain what I'm getting at. So when you look at minutes yesterday, the three freshman guards – played the most minutes in the backcourt, even over Antonio Reeves. And I think I said it on here, maybe in the preseason or maybe early in the season, that in at some point Antonio Reeves didn't need to be one of Kentucky's two or three best players. He's not. And that's okay. Like Rob, DJ, Reed, the upside from those guys, is it, it's higher. But here's where it all comes into play. This is a better version of Antonio Reeves than what we saw a year ago. Sure, the numbers don't show up right now. Like, he had nine points yesterday. He had the ball in his hands a lot last year, and guess what? That was not a good thing for Kentucky when it comes to what the roster looked like. I want to see Antonio getting back to being that that, that sniper from three-point range, that guy that just knocks down shots and can get hot in a hurry. Aaron Bradshaw... Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, those are Kentucky's dudes, but it is allowed now, Antonio, and I think this is going to happen in league play, to kind of can and do the one to two things that just make him elite, that separate him, and other teams just don't have. Make shots and cook and, and, and get hot. Let these other dudes close games and make plays down the stretch, and he's going to hit a big three in some moments for Kentucky in closing minutes. It's just the balance overall with what Kentucky has. It has allowed guys to be who they are and who and who they've been for their career. And I think that you're going to see the best version of Antonio Reeves down the stretch. And you're also going to see that Kentucky's got guys that they play through late and Antonio plays off that. And that's what's going to make Kentucky really hard to beat when it matters. It's a pressure thing. Antonio Reeves was the only dagger thrower on the team last year. That... Came, that worked against itself because Antonio was tremendous last year, sixth man of the year, uh, accolades, stats. He was awesome. And I love Antonio. Antonio is, is a hooper. He is a, a professional bucket getter, and he's going to make a lot of money for a very long time making baskets professionally, NBA, overseas. He, he's going to play 
a lot of professional basketball because that's what he does best. But there's also a pressure aspect of this where when he was the only dagger thrower last year, if he wasn't making the dagger shots, then the team crumbled around him. This team needs to figure out how to not lean on Antonio Reeves and be able to have DJ Wagner drive in, finish strong with his left hand, have that mid-range pull up and and do those things. And uh, Rob Dillingham having back-to-back buckets, Aaron Bradshaw finishing the way that he did, making both free throws at the end, building that clutch gene and knowing how to live up to that moment. So if you need Antonio down the stretch later on, in the season there, the weight of the world isn't on his shoulders in particular, because he now knows that, okay, if I'm not making this shot, then I at least got DJ to make the next or Rob to make the next or Reed to make the next that it, they all work together for the greater good. It's a, it's a collection of all parts to make the team better. Even though Antonio's individual stat lines may sometimes take a dip and, the moments may may not be in his hands anymore. It's going to make him look better because the weight of the world isn't going to be on his shoulders to make that shot. It it makes everybody involved look better by leaning on the younger guys and the the guys that you can mold in, in as clay to see the reward by season's end. Cal's freshman always trending in the right direction in March. That's what you want. This is this is exactly what you want when Antonio Reeves decides to come back. So I know it may not look good to have Antonio having 23 minutes in this game, not being in there in the final possessions with the big shots and all that, but it's going to benefit him better because by season's end, everybody else is going to have the confidence to hit that big shot. And then you can lean on him back again where he has no weight on his shoulders whatsoever. So Again, it's the process with with everybody, but especially Antonio Reeves here. And that's the positive side that I was trying to get to is it allows Kentucky to not be a first weekend exit in the NCAA tournament. It gives Kentucky the firepower to go the distance because it has the pieces now to the, the puzzle. The puzzle is there. It's complete. It's laid out on the table, and it all fits together. Kentucky has a team that can win a national championship. It didn't have that with Antonio Reeves having to play a role that wasn't supposed to be his role a year ago. If that had been the role this year, you're going to have the same result. Maybe they win one more game. Maybe he hits shots. But at some point, you weren't going to get where you want to go. I think I said it early that Trey Mitchell and Antonio Reeves were the bridge. They were the bridge to get us to the point that we're at right now. The Kentucky's freshmen had to be the dudes if Kentucky wanted to win a national championship and make a run in the NCAA tournament. That is transitioning now. Kentucky's freshman is by far its best players on this roster. You get you're even better with Reed Shepard. Like he's better than what we all thought. Like we knew he was good, but he's even better. And Aaron Bradshaw is now showing he's showing flashes and things that that show you that he's going to be one of Kentucky's best guys by the end of the season. DJ Wagner just has it. I don't give a crap about what numbers and all this stuff and comparing things. He's got something inside of him to go make a play, and he doesn't shy away from the moment. You got to have those guys. Rob Dillingham is another dude. You got the preseason, or you got the, the pregame fist bump yesterday. I got the postgame fist bump. So after he finished everything on the floor, I'm standing in the tunnel about to walk back out before we start a rapid reaction. He comes up, fist bump. You got it pregame. I got it postgame. So I thought that was pretty cool. But man, just the way that these kids want to do it for each other. 
And also, let me say this. John Calipari is doing an excellent job coaching this team. Excellent job. Like he, oh. he is doing a fantastic job coaching this team, putting them in situations to win basketball games. And here's the thing. Cal is stepping out, and this is a different version of John Calipari. Letting Rob Dillingham play through stretches of play, giving him two, a half. John Calipari has never given anybody, anybody, a leash, regardless of who it is. But he understands what he is, and Rob said it yesterday. He's allowing me to be me. That's recruiting right there. That little – Cal saying – do you want me to clip his wings? He said, I got a dude that can beat anybody off the dribble and score at will, and you want me to clip his wings. And then Rob Dillingham, immediately after that going, I have built up an unbelievable amount of of trust with Cal because he has allowed me to be me. Think of every conversation we had on this show throughout his recruitment, when he committed, and leading up to this point throughout OTE, all that how many times we came on this show and said, this ain't going to work, man. I'm here to tell you right now, this is not going to work. And I I remember vividly saying on this show after leaving Peach Jam, leaving the EYBL event, se- se- every single time I said, Rob Dillingham is my favorite player to watch. I have an absolute blast watching him play. He is a dog. He is a must-see TV, as entertaining as it gets. But he is not a John Calipari player. Cal is going to rip his hair out and hate coaching him because he is one step forward, eight steps back with some of the decisions that he makes, but they have gotten the best out of each other. Cal has never had this type of freedom and a leash this long with any type of player that has erratic tendencies ever, not a single time. But Rob Dillingham has also never played this way. Rob Dillingham has never played winning structured basketball and understanding that you can be a pro. I like that quote uh, that, that Rob gave, Sean. He said, he is teaching me how to be a pro. He's teaching me pro-like tendencies. NBA teams will laugh at me if I try to go to a workout and play the way that I did at OTE, play the way that I did on the EYBL circuit previous stops, Combine Academy, all that. He needed to figure out how to play structured basketball. He had not ever done that before in his enti- the entirety of his, of his basketball career. But Cal also had to have the, f- the, the freedom and flexibility to allow him to get the best version of that. So they are working together in ways that I never thought was possible, and they both deserve credit for that because it is a, on paper an, an unlikely and wrong match. I just don't, but as you said, for recruiting purposes, Cal now has this in his back pocket to say, remember how I coached Rob? You remember how fun that was? Remember how awesome that he was? He came in, not even as a projected first round pick. And now he's going to be a lottery pick because he's a freaking dog and can hoop. And he's a professional bucket getter. Go be like Rob. It's, it's the, the pairing has been so refreshingly beautiful. It has. It is, uh, th- this is fun to watch. And, and some of the things I was saying a minute ago about Cal doing an excellent job coaching this team. And this is a, a full staff thing like this, the decision-making, the, where, where people go, you're reading the chat right now too. And it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's <not ridiculous. laughs> I know I was trying not to laugh a moment ago, but late in the game too, yesterday, three seconds to go on the shot clock. 
Reed Shepard's your inbounder on a on a BOB, on a baseline out of bounds situation. He was also your trigger man in late game situations where Kentucky had to get the ball in bounds. And I, I get it. There's some people that I, and and two, if you if you can send Reed to the line to hit free throws, that's big. But the most important thing is to get the basketball in bounds. And you're putting a high IQ guy who makes decisions. And we watched him, me and you, when he was in high school, throw darts from like 70 feet to guys. He sees the floor well. He's going to make the right play. Cal, trust him. That's the that's the important that's that's step number one. And to get it to these other guys, the only adjustment that I could see possibly being made at some point, if let's say Reed's in foul trouble, or let's say Reed, actually not foul trouble, let's say Reed's fouled out of a game, I could see Trey Mitchell being the inbound guy that Kentucky goes to in some late game situations because I think that's another guy that Cal trusts. It goes back to Cal has options, and you're smiling again. So I, I, <laughs> they, not... they keep making fun of me because I can't keep a straight face. I'm weak. I can't help myself. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah make fun of me. I get it. I, it is what it is, dude. Uh, oh, this is ridiculous. Um, I do want to share something that was very cool in the middle of a game, uh, of the game. I got a text from an NBA decision maker in the middle of the game asking about Reed Shepard. And it was, I've been asked about Justin, I've been asked about DJ, I've been asked about Aaron. I've, it, it, the, the draft guys I, I've, we've talked about, I've, I've, I've talked about with different, like everybody knows that those have been draft guys and have been on draft boards for a really long time. So the NBA teams know a lot about all of them and there's not a whole lot more to dig into with them. And for the first time through all of this, having an NBA team ask you about Reed Shepard and what his personality is like. What what is he like off floor? Is, is are do teammates like him? Is he a good dude? Is is almost like is everything that we're seeing real? Like, or there's gotta be a catch here. For those questions to come in an understanding on the NBA side that this is a legitimate NBA prospect this is not just a heat of the moment excitement guy that he's had a couple good games in big moments and we're just kind of like building around the momentum and pretending that he's a legitimate draft pro no he this he is a draft prospect in 2024 and the only reason why he is not would not go to the draft is if nil became a like whoa situation for him to come back he's a first round pick Reed Shepard is a first round draft pick and it was just cool to have them dig about him for a change because we just, we, we all knew about everybody else and Reed was the kind of, well, I kind of hope that he puts things together. Maybe he's a difference maker, but for him to make the plays that he did, as you said, Cal put him in, in those last final seconds, because there's a trust factor there. And, there's going to be a trust factor there in the NBA. There's going to be a trust factor 10 years from now with an NBA team that takes a chance on him because he is a sure thing. I remember having the same conversations about Case and Wallace. Yes, he might not be super flashy. He might not be a guy that's going to go get, get you 40 on every, any given night. But there's a whole hell of a lot of value in a guy that is going to give you 15, 5, and 5 every single time he steps on the floor, and that's what Reed Shepard is. And it, It's not just about his NBA future, but it's the now that – the, the eyes that matter are now watching what Reed Shepard is doing because he, he is elevating 
the, the, the sea is rising together and all the boats are lifting up together because of Reed. It, it, it's just very refreshing to see him in that moment getting the steal on Elliot Cadeau going down, hitting that dagger three in his eye and just the crowd going crazy. It's like, he's built for this moment. And it's just very, very cool that the, the eyes that really matter are starting to notice too. Yeah, it, it is. And that's why I'm all about eye test. Pass the eye test. Reed's passing it. All these guys are passing it. Kentucky as a team is passing the eye test to me. Like I'm seeing a team that, just continues to get better and better. You have the loss to UNC Wilmington, and you and I did not overreact to that loss at all. I don't think even the fan base itself, I don't think, was a massive overreaction. I think everybody kind of understood, like, this was tough today. Kentucky didn't make shots down the stretch. They didn't have DJ Wagner. You saw the importance of having him. You, you're working in Aaron Bradshaw. Getting back to yesterday, I forgot about UNC Wilmington. All I remember now is UNC is that, that Kentucky got that win. So what Kentucky's done here in the non-conference, and we did it in our preseason predictions and stuff, we were talking about what would the record be in those big five games. I said four and one. And here you are. Louisville's still included in that. And I, and I am not worried about Louisville, but worried that maybe Kenny rallies them a little bit and they have they play with nothing to lose in that game, but Kentucky needs to be the one to come out kind of with a chip too and just bury them in a, in a rivalry game. Like there's a lot of emotion in this game coming up, but we've seen this team play with passion in big moments. I've seen enough to know that I think they're going to be perfectly fine. And I think win a big game easily against Louisville, but man, I just love this team. I love the boxes that they've checked I love that everything that we've talked about since July is kind of happening now, and it's all coming together. The will Bradshaw play, will he not play? He's playing, and he's playing hard. I mean, he wants to be out there. Ugo's back. Still waiting to see what happens with Z. But John Calipari's got a team. We'll see where they move into the AP poll. Let's keep watching that net move around a little bit here and see what happens resume. Let's keep watching Ken Palm. Just overall, man, what Kentucky's doing right now, and it, it they can beat you in so many different ways. But you're seeing the, the, the difference is, is when it gets late, they got guys that can go make plays. Rob Dillingham yesterday with his inside hand finish, just, just beating a dude off the bounce and getting to a spot and just doing it. That's hard to guard. DJ Wagner, hard to guard. Like, what do you do if you're the other team? Like, Kentucky's got a good group. And uh, a lot of people have been telling us that we deserve whatever happens, this run that Kentucky possibly goes on, me and you, since we've been doing this show together. We've not had postseason success. Man, it I'm not wanting to wish away any of this season because I'm having a blast right now. I don't want to race to March. I want to enjoy every moment that happens between now and then. Bill Deaton says, which freshman throws the DeMarcus Cousins elbow out the gate? Is it kind of sad that I don't think that the the game will be emotional enough for that? Like it, it's, I'm ready for this rivalry to get back to those days where it was like you counted down the minutes. To, like it's just kind of sad that that game is on Thursday and everybody is talking about man, is it would if Kentucky blows out. Louisville is that the Kenny Payne goodbye game like it, it, 
it, it used to be more emotional than this. And it's just kind of like, eh, I, I, I'm excited for it, obviously. I'm going to be at Yum, and it's going to be a, a great time. But uh, I don't know. It, it is it is just kind of off that the emotions aren't there the way they, they should be and, and have been in the past. So I don't know. It is it is different. It, it, Lance Brooks says, what percentage of Yum will be blue? I think it it should be – what give a realistic percentage. Like, is it fair to say – 60%? I was going to say 65 to 70 because I still think a lot of Louisville fans will show up. It's Kentucky. It's Kentucky. If there was one game for them. Yeah. 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 But there will be more blue in there than, than there ever, than there has been for any of these matchups with Louisville in the Yum Center. There was also somebody asked earlier about what was the fan kind of breakdown like yesterday. I, I want to say 50-50. I really do. Because I think that that's what it was. 17,000 plus, and I think it was dead even. I mean, you got a lot of North Carolina fans down that way. It's North Carolina Duke when you get into that part of the country for college basketball. And it was look, there was nobody in that building for Ohio State UCLA. Nobody. And then I come out of the tunnel because I was back there with, with you and, and others for like 12 minutes, the last 12 minutes of the second half for UCLA Ohio State. And when we walked out of the tunnel, we've done that a couple of times this season behind the team. And you and I have looked, and we knew that this team was engaged and locked in and ready to roll. I was like, oh, my goodness, this place is this place is unreal. It's Carolina blue. It's two shades of blue is what it was. And I said this yesterday to you, Kentucky Duke, I get it. Everybody loves to see it. Kentucky Louisville, everybody loves to see that too. Kentucky Tennessee and the SEC. You give me Kentucky and North Carolina. That's the one that I enjoy the most because it always turns into a classic. Seven years ago today, Malik Monk went off in the Champions Classic against North Carolina. Like that was seven years ago today. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Yesterday was another classic between the between these two programs. It was the battle of let's go Tar Heels, go Big Blue, back and forth, where it's almost like a – the two fan bases going at each other was so cool. It, the on-court product was incredible, and I think that obviously egged on a lot of the back and forth with the fan bases. But both, both sides really deserve a lot of credit for showing out for that moment and not letting it just be a sea of either shade of blue. It was truly a split with 55 you know 50 50 55 40 like whatever it was enough of an even split to where it was a legitimate back and forth between the two fan bases of two you know two of the most historic programs in, in college basketball history two blue bloods two unbelievably passionate groups of fans coming together to make it like that's what college basketball is all about that is i remember sitting there as the game was unfolding and saying this is what college basketball is for. This is why we do this. I, and what I say to you, before the game started, as we were watching Kentucky warm up, I looked at you and I said, I will never get tired of this. I will never soak in a moment like this on the floor watching DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, Aaron Bradshaw warm up with every seat in the house completely full and not go, damn, this is a really, really cool thing that we get to be a part of and I'm enjoying this ride like the ride itself is so fun but that moment kind of was the the big picture 
you know, in, in one individual game. You could kind of feel this is what it's about. Trey Mitchell talking after the game about this feeling like a March Madness game. It did kind of have that feel to it where it was just two unbelievably talented teams duking it out there at the end. And two teams that could win it all by the end of the season. And we, we very fortunately well, were on the winning end of this one. That was a North Carolina team that beat Tennessee just a few weeks ago in the, the SEC ACC challenge. So, I mean, if we, if we view Tennessee as one of the best teams in the league, then, you know, North Carolina, I mean, Kentucky went blow for blow with North Carolina and, and won the game, got the, the most important result of it. But yeah, you're right. I remember you now saying that I'll never get tired of this. And you were you were serious when you said it. And it's, there's just an energy that you feel down there too. That you we can literally feel kind of how it's going to go. Not the final result, but just you can tell by looking these guys in the eye if they're ready or not. And I've looked Kentucky in the eye multiple times this season at court level. And and on the flip side of this, UNC Wilmington, we didn't think they were ready. They didn't have the look that they had against Kansas that they had against Miami, that they had against North Carolina. They had it yesterday. And when they have that look and when they have that mindset, it's the thing, it's it's what these guys have with on the inside. They've got what it takes to no moments too big. The moment will never be too big for DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham. The moment's never going to be too big for Reed Shepard either. When you got guys that the moment is not too big for what moment do you get lost with them? You've got plenty of guys that can ride you through it. Cal's got a guy and, and guys that he trusts, Jack. Like that's it did not take long for Cal to figure out who he who he can trust. Now it's about piecing all this together. What does minutes look like? Everybody needs to stay ready. Let me tell you something about Adutiero. Adutiero is the guy in college basketball that comes out of nowhere and plays meaningful minutes in an NCAA tournament game that makes the difference in whether you go home or you keep advancing. Uh, even if it's a five, seven, eight-minute stretch, just the effort that he plays the game with, he plays his tail off, man. You, there's a place for that guy on this roster, even with everybody healthy. Ben from Kentucky says, what team would you not want to see in March? And MC responded with, UConn, Purdue, Arizona are the biggest obstacles in my mind. There is not a team that I don't think Kentucky could beat in college basketball. I don't. like. I I know that there are matchups that could be troublesome to Kentucky. And, and got, you know, obviously teams that I would like to avoid. But there is not one – Wisconsin 2015 where you go that's the one that could be really problematic for Kentucky's dreams is there one for you Sean not really I mean Purdue obviously with the I mean they they have size but Kentucky has size too and there's there's coaches obviously you know Bill Self his teams execute at such a high, high level Matt Painter runs good stuff offensively what Dan Hurley's doing at UConn right now. I mean, they're, they look like one of those teams again. It, it's still early to me, Arizona, another team. Like I just don't know if there's that dominant team out there that just scares me. Now that Kentucky's got interior, it has the best backcourt in the country from top to bottom. Having that right there tells me I'm not scared to play anybody. 
because the best backcourt is going to shine and win when it matters. Guard play wins you games in the NCAA tournament. You got to have Aaron Bradshaw. You got to have these bigs. You got to have Trey Mitchell. But if you if you have those guys and you don't have the backcourt Kentucky has, it's only going to get you so far. Kentucky's got guards. Who are those teams that get it to the top 20 in both Kim Palm offensive and the defensive adjusted efficiency? That's where your national champion is going to come from. Is Kentucky going to end up being one of those teams? That's the question. Nick McCardell says, how about Auburn's cheating scandal? Cats got screwed in the Elite Eight a, a few years ago. Did you read that with USA Today, the Dan, Dan Wilkins story? I haven't. So apparently in the SEC summer meetings between with, with, with you know, coaches meetings and, and following that 2017-18 season, uh, there was kind of this anonymous like whistleblower of Auburn basketball uh, spying on visiting teams in their shoot arounds and practices leading up to the games at their home arena. And I got a text after that report came out about, uh, you know, it was like six, six teams accused Auburn of spying on their practices leading up to games at that, at Auburn's arena. Uh, and I was told that Kentucky felt on a few different occasions that it had been spied on um, f- with Bruce Pearl and the and the Auburn basketball program. Uh, there was one part of that story. Dan Wilkins said that uh, a coach, an SEC coach, said that they specifically put in a set in practice at Auburn's arena because it could never get proven. In, in I guess. The evidence wasn't there for the SEC league office to do anything about it. It was just kind of hearsay. Yeah, we kind of feel this way, but there's nothing really backing it up. Except there was one time an SEC coach put in something in a practice at Auburn's arena and called it in the game that they had never done in the past, but put it in specifically at that arena just to test them. And once they called it, they knew exactly what defense to go in and, and to try to shut it down. So that was like their tell that they, they were in fact spying. So fascinating stuff, but I can say that Kentucky did not disagree that uh, there's some, some shady business going on at, at Auburn. That is uh that's not good stuff. Especially, I mean, with man, I don't know, man. Fascinating because it, it's it's amid the Michigan sign stealing stuff, you know, Houston Astros with the banging trash cans. Like, it, it, I think it was part of like a ten part series that USA, USA Today is doing, talking about kind of just scandals, cheating scandals in in sports, and how it's more widespread than it's kind of led on to be and and there's a lot more going on than people think and it's just fascinating that Auburn basketball and, and think about that after that moment that 2017-18 year is the final four is when Auburn kind of catapulted into stardom and again it's it's more coincidence than anything Bruce Pearl's a great coach and Auburn's a great basketball program this is not a Everything that they, all the success that they have, you know, earned, it should be credited to stealing plays and stupid practice from opponent, you know, opponent, like whatever that, that it's, 
is ludicrous, but it's just more so funny and ironic that they, of all teams, are kind of thrown in the midst of the Michigan football, at Houston Astros, all that stuff. So, But I, I can say that Kentucky kind of felt some type of way about it, too. I mean, yeah, and, and you should, right? Like, if, if you're not doing it, there's an advantage there. So, yeah, that, that's interesting stuff. Uh, Kentucky plays Auburn, you know, one time on, on the schedule. February, February 17th. And they go to Auburn, and that's one of those quad one opportunities that, that I was talking about in the beginning of the show when it come down to the schedule uh, breakdown of it. But you know, you know, back to Kentucky and, and and what they're doing here and stuff. Like I, I told you this on Rapid, and if if everybody listened to the Rapid reaction, and even if you if you haven't, go back and listen to it because we gave our immediate takes. You know, for 13, 14 minutes yesterday, which you can find on the KSR YouTube YouTube channel as well. But I was standing in the tunnel yesterday. And Mitch Barnhart comes through, has a big smile on his face and goes up to Will Barton and, you know, everybody's celebrating. He goes, it's been a while. And it was, it was the relief in his voice when he said it, like, man, it's been, it was like, it's been a while since we've won one like that. You know, they, they beat Carolina that December and ran them off the floor. They, they beat Kansas at, at Allen Fieldhouse, but in a December game that, to me, here's the difference in yesterday and what's happened the other times. They've won big games. They've beaten Tennessee at Rupp. They've won at Thompson Bowling Arena. But there were so many moments early in the season the last few years where people were just trying to buy in to what it was going to be. And then they would lose and not really be competitive on the on the neutral floor against Gonzaga. They looked awful in the CBS Sports Classic last year against UCLA. All those checkpoint games – that we talked about this this year, they didn't show up for. They didn't come through in those moments. So yesterday felt like another one of those, man, I'm really believing in this team, and I really need this win to really push me all the way in. All the chips are in now. They got it. And it keeps the momentum going this way within this fan base that I actually think there's a lot of fans last night that went to bed the people there were people that regardless would have thought Kentucky could win a national championship. I think now majority of this fan base is on board thinking that this is one of the best teams in the country that has the pieces to win a national championship. That's what yesterday was about. And I think that was even the relief that even Mitch is like, not only has it been a while since we've won one of these, it's been a while since I've went to bed knowing that we can win it all. That's what that was about to me. And Let's not let let the next loss kill that feeling. Kentucky will lose again this season, and you're going to be pissed off about it. You're going to be disappointed about it. You're going to feel some type of way. It's going to come in a way that we that it shouldn't, and a guy is not going to perform the way that you're expecting. Understand the feeling that you have right now and know that something is going to make you feel equally frustrated but don't let that kill this. Understand that this team has the pieces necessary to win a national championship. Number nine could come as a result of this group right here. They have the pieces to put together, but it is a long journey. It's a long road, and there will be speed bumps ahead. That was always the case. That was part of the the back and forth that we had, we're not going to flip the way we felt with UNC Wilmington and say, it doesn't matter as much as you guys are making it out to be calm, you know, keep calm. It's not that big of a deal. Relax. And then on the flip side, when a big win happens, say, 
full steam ahead, you know, no, nothing to see here, no adversity to come. There is going to be future adversity. This team is going to have to still overcome things. They will lose a couple more games. Understand that that's a, that's just as much of a, pro, a part of this process as this is right now. All of this is for the collective grouping of to to build the sample size to build the the resume of okay this is what we're going to submit going into March to prove that we have what it takes to make a run and win six games straight. That's what this is for. Enjoy this, soak it in. Understand that, yes, finally we got that moment to prove that we are up there and can win a game of this magnitude against a, a, against a championship contender. But the next loss, do not go, okay, we're no longer the team that we saw beat UNC because that's not going to be the case. It's still going to be the same team that beat UNC. It's just going to take some time to play the perfect game. Kentucky could have lost that game against UNC. They didn't, and we're – glad that they that they figured out a way to to pull it out down the stretch but if they aren't able to on the next one don't the sky will not be falling then just as it wasn't against UNC Wilmington just as full steam ahead against UNC we got to keep that middle ground and and keep enjoying this process yep i'm i'm with you 100% and you got two quad four games coming up Louisville obviously next on the schedule then you got Illinois State and then you start league play. And you start league play with what stands right now as a quad one opportunity in Gainesville with Florida 55th in the net. Uh, mentioned St. Joe's earlier. St. Joe's is up to 48 in the net. They have quad one games on their schedule. I think they've got three or four. They just picked up a win against Princeton, who was unbeaten. And that was a quad one win for them. So now St. Joe's has two a two and one record in quad one games. That ha- if if is that going to creep towards a quad one win for Kentucky? If they run through the A-10, it could. 48, it needs to get to 30. If they get to 30, it's it's a quad one, but it's safely a quad two. One of the better wins on Kentucky's schedule right now on their resume. But you got some games coming up in league play here where you can really start stringing together some some Q1s and and, and doing some some stuff. But you got a robbery game coming up. You better be locked in for it. And I don't expect a letdown. I expect Kentucky to, to be even more amped coming into this one than they were against Carolina. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Wouldn't expect Cal to run it up against Kenny Payne. I, I it, you know, I think it's going to be just the reality of the beast where it, it could be um, a solid win, but maybe not if the spread is ridiculous. Don't just go crazy and and put your house on it like probably stay away from that one given the circumstances and what each team has to win and lose with it. So uh, enjoy it. It's going to be a fun game. I'll be there at the Yum Center. Are you going to be there, Sean? We play at 4.30 on Thursday in Louisville, so I won't be able to make it over to to the Yum Center in time. You might be able to get one. there like second half. I mean, that's true. That's close. true. We're in the, we're playing in the King of the Bluegrass, so we got a big one. Um, obviously, we, we play to sales Tuesday night, and then we'll uh, – we play Little Rock. We'll play the winner. If we win, we'll play the winner of Little Rock. Little Rock Central. Very good player. Committed to Missouri. Uh, Botang. Out there. Wow. Like it's top. Yeah, so he, he's on that roster. And then uh, Chicago De La Salle. So we'll play one of those two on Thursday, win or lose. So continue to add to our tough schedule that, that we're playing right now as well. So 
what, do, you guys, do you have any, you guys have any quad ones coming up? Like what, what, how, how, do, how does the high school rank do, do, like differentiate quad one, quad two? Is there an, is there a high school net? We, we just know that we've reached a point where we got to be ready to play every single time we take the floor, because when you go to the final four of the year before everybody wants you and you're getting everybody's best shot and uh, a lot of good teams in the state, 11th region, that's the goal. Win the 11th region. Coach, find a way to make it to Rupp. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to give anybody any bulletin board material. <laughs> who knows who listens to this? My buddy, my buddy Lucas Witt plays at uh, at Montgomery County, and he talked to me the other night. I love Lucas. Lucas has been listening to the show for a long time. First time I actually got to meet him, and uh, that that's cool to see people. And and you got to see people on this trip too. And I met some people too that that told me how much they love the show and, and how much they listen. Like. Everybody's on the same page right now within this fan base, and it, it feels good. It feels really good to be locked in and dialed and dialed in together. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's been a good ride. It was good meeting some of the fans and listeners uh, up in or down in Atlanta, and you know even up in Chicago, we met a couple. So yeah, it's been been a, been a fun ride. We're gonna keep this thing going. Uh, got a big one on Thursday against Louisville. It's always fun to take on our biggest rival. Got to get that one done and. You know, don't, don't want Kenny Payne's time to end it at Louisville, but we got to make a statement. We, we it's 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 an important one. Got to keep building this momentum. It's going to be a blast. I know there were some uh, questions. I know you. I read all the stuff about Z. If I had stuff to say about Z, I would say it. I, I guess the what I would say about Z is uh, some frustration on Kentucky side for sure that something's got to give somewhere there's no more paperwork to give. There's no more evidence on to, to build a, an, an argument for the NCAA. It, it's kind of gotten to the point with them where it's just a, the sense of restlessness has reached a peak where it's like, all right, either make a move or don't. We just need to know if we're going to be able to lean on him and what type of development we need for Z in practice. Like, are we going to ramp him up for game action and, what does that look like? Like there's just a lot of the stuff going on behind the scenes where yes, he's practicing and he's getting better. And I've heard that he's looked really good in practice, but there's just, you know, there's a difference between looking solid in practice and also being ready for game action. And I think that's where things are. They have not heard anything from the NCAA. They haven't heard when they're going to hear an answer from the NCAA, but they're frustrated. It's, it's nothing new to report because we've talked about UK being frustrated, but it's kind of getting to that point where it's like semester's over, bro. Like it's the, it's winter semester going into the spring conference place here. Like we are a quarter of the way into the season, assuming Kentucky goes all the way. They're a third of the way through the regular season. Like make a decision one way or the other, just get it over with. It's, it's old. It's tiring. It's, it's, it's exhausting. Just make a move one way or the other so they know what to deal with, and that's all I got for you right now. Um, but when they, they have to give an answer one way or the other, they can't just sit there with a thumb in their butt and say, okay, season's over. Oops, we kind of forgot about you, Z. They have to make a, give some type of answer. So hopefully we get some clarity at some point soon, and all I can say is – And that's what was so frustrated that it took so long to get him here is because you could have got a head start on this process that's now taking place. But we have nothing right now. Like, I mean, all all we have is Kentucky's adding seven footers as we move along. They've got two of them. 
That's two more than they had two weeks ago. So we'll see, but it's coming together. We'll, we'll see what happens. Like there's a lot of basketball to be played, but Kentucky's in a good spot. A um, couple questions about VJ Edgecombe rumors. VJ is UK's to lose. Um, hope, hope you're right. Anything on Edgecombe. Um, I have heard and said on this show, but especially on KS board, if you haven't subscribed to KS board, come on, man, what are you doing? KSR plus is the place to be. Uh, we have talked extensively about VJ Edgecombe and my personal thoughts on whether or not uh, Kentucky lands VJ Edgecombe. I still feel very good about where things stand with Kentucky. I it's not a done deal either way. He has not made a decision. I'm not going to say Kentucky has landed him or Duke has landed him or Baylor has emerged as the dark horse and they are in position to land him. But uh, I do know that there was a time where Duke thought it was locked up and VJ made it very clear that it was not locked up. And the assumption of that kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. And it kind of forced Duke to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, well, we haven't closed on this guy. We got to do that. In the meantime, Kentucky has gone all in on him, and, and they love him. They they really want to land VJ Edgecombe because he's an awesome player and would be a great fit for Calipari. He is the type of John Calipari off-ball guard. So uh, it's, it's a neck-and-neck neck race. Duke and Kentucky, both schools feel confident about it. Both schools are trying to close, and we're kind of hitting that point of – one team's going to emerge here in the next, uh, you know, couple weeks and and close this thing out. So, I I like where I wouldn't trade Kentucky's spot with anybody, but Duke can still land him. Baylor could still come out of left field and land him. That, that I think it's kind of down to those three with Duke and Kentucky as one A and one B right now. But uh, it's it's anybody's ball game between those two, and may the best uh, team win. But I. Kentucky was not in that position several months back, so credit to them for making up that ground and making it a, a legitimate back-and-forth fight. So uh, we'll see where, where that goes. Plenty of recruiting stuff to get to, a lot of a lot, a lot of fun you know, updates and stuff. We got a, a lot of show to do in the future, and, and we don't have to turn this into a three-hour show. So uh, let's, let's keep knocking out these shows. Let's keep building this momentum forward as Kentucky takes on Louisville on thursday afternoon sean let's go ahead and get out of here because it's 10 30 on a sunday night and i gotta go to bed because i've been in the car all day long and i need it where can fans find your work you can follow me on twitter at gbb country find me on twitter as well at jack pilgrim ksr go on and subscribe to ksr plus right now where you can get all of that stuff that we just said in verbal form in written form way before anybody else gets it it's a blast over there come talk to the ksr gang we have a lot of fun game threads uh, inside scoop intel uh, it's just the best so make sure you go do that uh, right now great special going on with signing day for football so you do not want to miss that with that we will be back next time for another jam pack source and state podcast we will see you then <laughs>